We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Wizarding World Lorecast, where we're going to take a deep dive into the world and lore of the Harry Potter universe, such as the creatures, the people, and yes, even the magic. And welcome everyone to another episode of the Wizarding World Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria. And I'm Captain Shanko. And as we keep going into more into the universe of the Wizarding World, uh, this episode we are going to part two of Wanlore. Um, part one was not enough because there's uh, so much more to wands than just wood. <laughs> Um, but I do want to shout out real fast before we truly get started. Uh, this is our first live show, which is super exciting. Uh, we are live streaming on Twitch at my own Twitch channel, Ben of Tamaria. Uh, you can also find Holocron Histories on that channel as well. And then I will be start doing more game streams here in the near future. Once the, my schedule is a little bit more, organized due to the holiday season and everything coming up it's been hectic and the holidays just stress me out so much <laughs> Re- i think that goes life. without saying yeah. yeah that's the retail life in general so we, we are about to enter retail busy season like you would not <clears throat> retail believe. hell um i mean yeah <laughs> i mean I, I wasn't gonna say that <laughs> but yeah it is it, what it, it is. is yes for those of you in retail that are listening to this, you are brave, brave souls. And I understand the plight and the pain of every other. <laughs> but um, back to Harry Potter and the Wizarding World, uh, we are doing more into the wand lore um, with part two here. And as we ended the last week's episode with uh, the wand woods and how all wands are created of different wood material... Now we are going to go into wand cores. So, to start off things, uh, most wands made by Godric Ollivander contain one of three supreme core types, but there were often others among the subsidence that you were used. So, to kick off all the wand cores, we have the three most prominent wand cores that we all know from the wand quiz and everything from Pottermore. So we have unicorn hair. Unicorn hair generally produced the most consistent magic and was at least subject to uh, fluctuations and blockages. Uh, Wands with unicorn cores were generally the most uh, difficult to turn to the dark arts. They were the most faithful to the wands and usually remained strongly attached to their first owner. Irrespective of whether they were accomplished uh, witch or wizard, minor disadvantages of unicorn hair were that they were, did not make the most powerful wands, although the wand wood may have compensated, so depending on the type of wand wood you have, it could compensate the weakness of the core, and that they were also prone to manically, if seriously mishandled, meaning that the hair... Uh, may have died or need replacing. So it's more common for, if anything, that the unicorn hair core could die before any actual damages to the wand. And now we get to Dragon Heartstring, which is my wand core. <laughs> yes. So there's Dragon Heartstring, which is the second Supreme Core. Uh, as a rule, Dragon Heartstrings produced wands with the most powerful. Uh, which were capable of the most flamboyant spells. Uh, Dragon wands tended to 
learn more quickly than other types. While they could change allegiance if one from the original master, they always bonded strongly with the current owner. The dragon wand tended to be the easiest to turn to the dark arts, though it was not inclined that the way of its own accord. If it also is the most prone to the three chorus to accidents, being somewhat temperamental. So a good example of this was Draco Malfoy's wand. Draco's wand was Dragon Heartstring. And as we see, it changes allegiance to Harry in Deathly Hollows Part 2, because Harry disarmed Draco at Drake, uh, Malfoy Manor before they escaped. So, pretty common thing. And then we get to Fe uh, Phoenix Feathers, which is my wand type core. Uh, this was the most, well, this was the rarest core type. Phoenix Feathers were capable of the greatest range of magic, though they may have been taken longer than either Unicorn or Dragon Cores to reveal this. They showed the most uh, initiative, sometimes acting on their own accord, a quality that made many witches and wizards disliked phoenix feathers wands were always the pickiest when it came to the potential owner for the creature from which they were taken from was one of the most independent and detached in the world these wands were the hardest to tame and to personalize and their allegiance was usually hard won and that also you can see where this comes from with harry Harry's wand is a Phoenix for, uh, core as well, just like Voldemort. They're both super rare core types, and they're the pickiest of owners, meaning, I mean, Harry and Voldemort being the two lucky. So, now we get to very obscure core types that I never knew existed. And... Some of them are just so interesting to know. So we have Vela Hare. Uh, the Wandmaker, God, uh, Wandmaker Godric Ollivander mentioned that he did not use Vela Hare because it made temperamental wands. So that's all we know about that with Vela Hare. And Vela being a um, human-like magical beings... Um, Typically, that look young and beautiful women and whatnot, um, which will go into the creatures at a later time. Um, then we go to Therestrial Tail Hair. This core type was regarded as an unstable, uh, if not difficult, substance to use in wand making. So, uh, Therestrials being the horse, winged horse creatures that we see in order of the phoenix after you see someone die before your eyes you're able to see them then we have troll whiskers which is no no thank you Ew. yeah right troll whiskers were uh, considered an inferior substance by godric olivander's three supreme cores yeah that that alone just says no thank you i don't want troll hair in my wand Ooh. Yeah, it's a little gross. Do you think there's like multiple hairs just lined up in that wand, or do you think there's just one singular, one very singular long one. hair? Knows. Saying whisker or whiskers, I'd imagine there's probably more than one. Mm -hmm. uh, then we have Kelpie hair. Early in my career, as I watched my wand maker father wrestling with the sub substandard wand core material, such as Kelpie hair. Meaning Kelpie hair was not good use for wand cores. I mean, I can I can imagine that. I actually mythologically know a little bit about Kelpies. They are going to be, I don't know exactly how they pertain to the Harry Potter universe. I imagine that they're more or less the same. But um, Kelpies are animals that transform between man and horse. And they drag their victims into the water and eat them. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, can terrifying. imagine something. I can imagine something with a trickster spirit would make for an unstable wand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, then we go to the Thunderbird tail feather. The tail feather of the Thunderbird was used uh, as a wand core by the American wand maker 
Shikoba Wolf. Wolf's wands were powerful but difficult to master and were good for transfiguration work. So in the U.S., uh, Thunderbirds are actually common to North America. Um, you do we do find this out in Fantastic Beasts because that's the whole point of Newt being in the uh, in America to release a Thunderbird, and just knowing that like it makes sense they're good for transfiguration because the powerful magical properties that Thunderbirds carry, much like Phoenix, Phoenixes. Then we have the Wampus Cat Hair. The hair of the Wampus Cat was used uh, as a wand core by the American wand maker Johannes Jonker. Jonker experimented with many other wand cores before settling on the hair of the creature as his preferred kind. The core was also used by Isolet Sayre and James Stewart when they began making their own wands in the 17th century. Then uh, we have the White River Monster Spine. The wand core was used by Thiango Quintana. Uh, White River Monster Spines produce spells of force and elegance. Then add this this word. This this Rugaru? Rugaru hair? Yeah, Rugaru. Uh, the hair of the Rougarou was used as a wand core by the American wand maker uh, Viatella Baruvas. Uh, Violetta Beauvais. That. I took that French. French. I have a one okay. up. It's yeah. French. Okay. Um, Rougarou hair was rumored to have the infinity for dark magic like vampires to blood. Fun. Um, Lively. Right. And then we have the Kenz... Nizzle? Knizzle? Uh, Nizzle? Nizzle whiskers. This is the rarely used wand core that was most likely considered to be substandard core type. And then we have the Horned Serpent Horn. Uh, the wand cord was used by Livermore School of Witchcraft and Wizardry founder Isolt Serre, and the wands were made from this core were especially powerful. They were also used and sensitive to uh, parcel tongues and warn its owner of danger by emitting a low musical tone. Hmm. That's useful. That's useful if you're parcel tongue. But being a parcel tongue is also super rare. So this might have been a good one for Harry. <laughs> or Salazar Slytherin or any of them. Mm-hmm. Or Tom Riddle. But none of those were um we all know Harry and Tom were not at least this type. Then we have the Snarly Gaster Heartstring. The core was used by Assault Sarah and James Stewart when they were began making their own wands in the seventeenth century. And the Snargaster was a a Dracolope. Or no, that's a different thing. Yeah, I don't know what, we don't know what the uh, Snargaster is. It's kind of like a bipedal griffin. uh, Okay. With like a a rat tail. (laughs) No, that's weird. Um, Then we have the Jackalope Antler. The core was used by Azolt Sayre and James Stewart when they began making their own wands in the 17th century, so that's common again. And then, this is the interesting one, and this is one probably you would like, since you're a Slytherin and you like snakes. Basilisk Horn. Hmm. Only one wand is known to have used this core, and it was made by Salazar Slytherin for a wand of his own making. Salazar Slytherin made his own, made a new wand for himself using a basilisk horn. Hmm. Which kind of makes sense because, you know, he bred a basilisk for the Chamber of Secrets, so. So Uh, that would be, I I can imagine that would be a um, very interesting and powerful type of wand core. Right? That's what I'm thinking, too. 
And then um, now we go to move on to wand properties. So we're out of the wand cores. Now we're going to properties of wands. So in almost all documented cases, the wand shows the wizard who matches its character uh, because the wizard might have difficulty or be unable to perform magic. If his or her wand's character is conflicted, the magic might be subpar to magic performed with a matching wand. Although Ollivander said the wizard kind could channel their powers through almost anything, optimum results could only be achieved with those they had a natural affinity for. So basically, he's saying, yes, the wand chooses the witcher wizard, but as long as you have an affinity for that wand, you can basically use anybody's wand. Mm -hmm. As we see in a lot of the films. Like, uh, yeah, you were saying at one point Harry's just playing musical wands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like Harry's playing musical wands in Deathly Hollows part one and two mm-hmm. on a regular basis. He's swapping out wands left and right as you would with like any weapon in any like gun action film. <laughs> yeah, you probably point. have a baseline amount of skill with anything, but you're definitely going to be better with equipment you're familiar with. Correct. Correct. Um, and just like how, uh, for a good, another good example, Ron, uh, his wand was his brother's Charlie's wand uh, before it was his. So like, because he was compatible with that wand. I mean, what we, we've kind of learned a little bit, I guess, that wand types can sometimes be genetic. Mm-hmm. Um, like when, when Harry was getting his wand, you know, his the the wand maker showed him wands that his parents would have been compatible with or similar to Mm -hmm. their wands because he's like that's probably a good starting place Mm -hmm. correct so when trying out different wands a wand that was not suited for the wielder would usually not do anything at all however a warm feeling was an indication of having chosen the right wand and the wand sometimes emitted a few sparks or did some similar small sign of magic Good example is literally the whole wand choosing Harry thing in Sorcerer's Stone. Typically, it doesn't do anything, but, you know, Harry not being matched with another wand and him trying to use magic, it just everything explodes. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the when his wand chose him, you know, it emitted a warm feeling and light around him while, like, making his hair tinkle. And then wands were uh, quizly sentient. Although they could not think or communicate like humans, uh, they could perform certain actions through their own will. This ability may have been how they chose the witch or uh, wizard or witch, and also explain Harry's wand uh, autonomously acting against Voldemort. Yeah, um, Harry's wand did not like Voldemort, so Harry's wand is like, uh, no. As long as I have, he has me. You can't kill him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it doesn't matter how talented of a wizard you are. Mm-hmm. That's um, and you hear this in Deathly Hollows. That's how Voldemort was unable to kill Harry so many times is because because they have twinned wands, they can't kill each other. Period. That's why Voldemort's whole entire gig in Deathly Hollows was to get the Elder Wand is so he could finally kill Harry with a different wand. Mm-hmm. But, you know, none of that worked. Uh, so now we go to wand lengths and flexibilities. Uh, many wand makers simply matched um, the wand length and to the size of the witch or wizard who they would use, uh, but it was a crude measure and failed to take into account many other important considerations. Longer wands might suit taller wizards, but they intended to be drawn to bigger personalities, and those are much more spacious and dynamic styles of magic. So, like, the length of the wand could be... There's multiple, multiple things it could be used for. Like, you could be taller, you could be more creative, you could be... Literally anything. The length is yeah um neater wands favor more elegant and refined spell casting however no single aspect of the wand composition should be considered in isolation of others 
and the type of wood, the core, and the flexibility might either counterbalance or enhance the attributes of the wand's length. And then most wands uh, would be the range of between 9 and 14 inches, while extremely short wands 8 inches and under, and the very long wands over 15 inches existed. These were exceptionally rare, and in later cases a physical... I don't even know. Percatelony? Per I don't even know what this word is. Peculiarity. Pecu yeah. Demanded the excessive wand length. So I'm assuming they... I have no idea what that means. If, if they're real weird, they oh. would want a, a longer, longer one. Oh, okay. Just to be like extra, I guess. <laughs> Interesting. Um, however, abnormality short ones usually affected those whose characters sometimes was lacking rather than because they were physically undersized. Many small witches and wizards are chosen by longer wands. It's all about personality. Mm -hmm. And then wand flexibility or rigid, uh, rigidity, rigidity. Uh, donated the degree of adaptability and willingness to change, possess... Uh, by the wand and owner pair. Although, again, this factor ought not to be considered separately from the wand wood core and length, nor the owner's life experience and style of magic, all which would combine to make the wand a question unique. So, yeah, basically wand length almost means nothing. <laughs> it's basically what it's saying. Like, it's something, but it's also nothing. Yeah, it, it it's like a it could be a trend, but not the what's the what's the saying? It's not the theme; it's the trend or whatever, mm -hmm. something like that. Right. It happens often enough that it's worth noting, but it's not every single time. Correct. And then uh, now we go to new masters. Uh, wands could take new masters. When a wand's master was disarmed, stunned, or killed, the wand might accept the old master's attacker as its new master and swayed its allegiance over the witch or, or wizard who won it in the, from its predecessor owner. Wands with dragon heartstring cores were said to be more likely to change their allegiance, although uh, they would bond most strongly with the original owners. Which also makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like Draco, for example, like Draco Malfoy's wand, yes, it changes allegiance to Harry, but as Malfoy said in Deathly Hallows Part 2, he's using his mother's wand and it feels different, it feels off, because mm -hmm. he wants his original wand back. Makes sense. Uh, most wands were attached to their masters and would not easily discontinue their allegiance with the previous master, if at all, indeed... Uh, the original bond seemed unlikely to be severed. If it had been, then a defeated witcher wizard would have been better served to acquire a new one rather than continue using it because it would have no longer performed at its peak for them. Yet, they didn't. Furthermore, wands forcibly taken in circumstances of purely competitive or friendly nature or stolen without attacking the previous owner would not change allegiance. So, even stealing your friend's wand as a prank the wand won't do squat mm -hmm. and well, then friendly sparring or sport is not going to make a wand change allegiances correct because it's not life or th a life-threatening mm -hmm. situations and obviously the current owners would not perish mm -hmm. if it's friendly dueling as as long as it's competitive dueling just in like hogwarts you're typically fine. Mm -hmm. And then a notable exception to this general rule was the Elder Wand, which, according to Albus Dumbledore, only respected power. The Elder Wand would transfer its allegiance even if its defeated monster was not in possession of it at the time. No other wand was known to share the trait. The Elder Wand's allegiance would be won by simply as by forcibly taking it from its current owner's master's hand, as Harry Potter did with Metric and Malfoy, although it was more frequently obtained by murder. So imagine, imagine having the pressure of having the elder wand. You're like, all right, I'm, I've got this super powerful wand and it's awesome and legendary, but now every bad dude on the planet wants to kill me. 
and hence why Harry snapped it in half and threw it in the ravine. When I saw <laughs> Deathly Hallows in theaters, uh, and Harry snaps the Elder Wand and throws it off the bridge, some dude in the crowd, he goes, I can fix that with some duct tape. <laughs> oh my god, that's great. But yeah, that, I mean, that's the whole reason Harry broke it in half. And we see and find out through Deathly Hollows. Um, so, Snape killed. Well, Dumbledore, or sorry, not Snape. Draco was the original owner of the Elder Wand because he disarms uh, Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And obviously everybody thought Snape was the owner because he was the one that killed Dumbledore, which was not the case. And then Harry disarmed Draco in Malfoy Manor, which then changed the allegiance to Elder Wand to Harry. Yes, Voldemort was still able to use the wand, but it was not truly his. Mm-hmm. And hence why, you know. Uh, there's, I remember when I saw the film, there's this great shot where he's casting a spell with the Elder Wand and it's starting to crack. Yes. It, it's trying to reject him. Yes, exactly. So, um... And then I would say at this time, it's a good time to take our mid-break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And welcome to the mid-break of the show, where we talk about all things with the podcast, not to do the lore of the wizarding world. Um, I want to remind everybody, um, you can review and uh, give us stars on Spotify and Apple uh, to help support the show. Uh, Those reviews and stars really help us get noticed on all platforms and help us grow as a show. Um, And with that being said, we actually have our first review um on apple Podcasts, it's a five star uh amazing podcast uh by courier seven which we all know from the robust radio discord thank you courier uh always been a fan of the harry potter books and movies and ben of tamaria and captain chenko do an excellent job of breaking down the lore and the world of harry potter highly recommended this if you're a fan of harry potter or just want to learn more of the lore and world of harry potter thank you courier seven i Truly, we truly appreciate the review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and if you want to leave a po- uh, review, leave a five star review with words, we'll read it out loud on the show. And then um, I do want to shout out our patron because we do have now a Patreon that we set up to where you can support the show financially, even have a chance to come on the show at the end of the month kind of a thing, go over whatever topics you want to go over. Um, it's literally patreon.com slash wizardworldlorecast. And then I do want to shout out our other shows. I am also one half of the Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon vs. Legends, uh, where we go over all the different stuff in the Star Wars lore and universe. And Shanko, you have your own show. I actually have two now. Oh, you have two. One. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so I'm one half of the MCU Lorecast, which is a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast where we talk about the lore, stories, and comic history, and all the characters that we so know and love from Marvel Comics. I am also, I do that show with Psych88. He is one of the players for the Mass Effect Blue Shift. If you're a big fan of Mass Effect, definitely go check that out. I'm also hosting a little martial arts podcast called The Fight Space. It is one of the only female-led mixed martial arts podcasts on the internet. And I'm really, really excited about it. My first episode's coming out this Saturday, so keep an eye out for that. And episode zero is up now, so go check that out. It's The Fight Space. We're on Spotify and Apple Music. That's awesome. 
And then if you want to check out all of our podcasts and more, you can go to the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net where you can find Wizard World, Holocron Histories, MCU. Um, I'm assuming Sp- Fight Space is going to be on there. Yes, sir. And then uh, you have a bunch of other shows such as like the Witcher lore cast, Lord of the Rings, the Mass Effect lore cast, Dragon Age, Assassin's Creed. If you can think of something, we probably have it or it's going to be made. One of the two. Um, but yeah, go check those out. Um, and I think that's all we got for the mid-break. Do you have anything to add? Um, just that my squirrel is not cooperating. <laughs> and if you're watching the live shows, uh, which we are going to be doing at 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Twitch at Benetamaria. Um, on Wednesday nights, typically this week, we are recording on a Monday just because of other things that we do in the week. Things didn't line up, but that's when we're going to be doing that. If you watch the live show or live recording of this on Twitch, you will see Shanko has a squirrel. And she needs a name, guys. So if you have any think of a suggestions, name. uh, leave them, send them in the discord. She, she needs a, a name. We want a real short name. Uh, that's cute, and it's a girl, so. There you go. There you got it. All right, let's get back into it. All right, now that we're back, uh, now we go over reverse spells. So I didn't know what this meant until I, I actually dived into it a little bit. Um so a record of all spells a wand has used could be checked by using the reverse spell. Uh, this was a prime reason why criminals who wished to act uh, discreetly would not use their own wands to perform illegal spells. Fearing this would record would betray them, instead they would could borrow someone else's wand to act with impurity, letting the other owner take the fall. So this spell literally shows you what spells this wand has cast. Oof, it's like not clearing your browser history. <laughs> Pretty much. That's exactly what this is. Uh, the record seemed to be rather... Uh, in... Intricate. Intricate. As Peter Predigrew took Voldemort's wand in fear it might reveal his treason, suggesting the wand had such records such as branding the dark mark upon Pettigrew himself. And then, now we go to damage and underwater use, because we do see wands used underwater. Uh, Spells and physical damage could irreparably damage wands, destroying or greatly diminishing their magical abilities. Attempt to repair the wand would not be effective, and the wand might break again while performing magic or even backfire, as the case with the Spellotape wands. Ron Weasley's. And Chamber of Secrets. That's not normal tape. That's spello tape. Magical Band-Aid. Yes. And obviously it didn't work that well. Because of your spell he used basically backfired. Uh, the only way to fully repair a broken wand was through the mastering of the Elder Wand, uh, although the ability might be lost to its current master died undefeated because most of the wand's power would be disappeared with them. Hmm. And then, in addition, wands seem to possess the capability to function underwater, although the appearance of spells might change, as was dis- dis- uh, demonstrated when Harry Potter attempted to use a revulsion jinx to free himself from the grips of several grindolos. Uh Harry noted the instead of sending sparks at the grindolos, it pelted them with what seemed to be jet of boiling water. And if you don't know what so, a grindolo is, or grindolo is, is the underwater creatures we see in uh, Goblet of Fire that are trying to drag them down to the depths. Mm-hmm. So, being underwater doesn't nullify magic at all it just changes how it might present itself correct because magic is magic and magic can't be stopped by the elements Mm -hmm. because magic is beyond 
And now we go to acquiring a wand. So most witch, witch, uh, witches and wizards brought their first bought their first wand when they were eleven, just before starting their uh, magical education. Most English wizards and witches are brought to wands at bought their wands at Ollivanders and Diagon Alley, where they would try out multiple wands until they find the one that was suited for them, or rather, the wand found the wizard that suited it. Such as myself, I got my wand at Ollivanders. It's great. It's awesome. It's mine. And then uh, some witch and wizards, especially those with uh, poorer backgrounds, were left to use wands that they had not chosen them, but chosen a member of their family. Ron Weasley, for an example, uses his brother Charlie's old wand when he began his first year at Hogwarts. And second year. And then he gets a new one specifically for year three because, you know, his wand snapped in half. Oops. <laughs> Oopsies. Um, in the United States of America, upon purchasing a wand, the buyer was given a wand registration number and was required for applicants uh, applications for wand permits. Uh, the MAC USA had a central wand archive. And the MAC USA is literally the just the Ministry of Magic specifically for the U.S., But, uh, yeah, you have to have a permit to use a wand in the U.S. <laughs> Oops, I'm using one illegally. Oh, no. Whatever am I to do? I'll just hide it. It's fine. No one think it's real. Psh. <laughs> uh, and then rights of usage. Uh, the right to carry a wand at all times was established by the International Confederation of Wizards in 1692 when Mongol uh, prosecution was at its height and the wizards were planning their retreat into hiding. So, basically, like, Salem witch trials and, like, all the burning the stakes and prosecutions, going to jail, killings and all that, people thinking witchcraft is real. Yeah, all witches and wizards were permitted. Yeah keep a wand because you're going to be hunted you kind yeah. of want to you know not die in accordance to clause clause three in the code of wand use the non-human beings as goblins and households were permitted from owning or using wands for goblins in particular the prohib prohibition of had been in point of contention with the wizarding community and caused some outbreaks of violence which um, we'll probably see some of that in Hogwarts Legacy because we are fighting goblins. At least there's like a goblin uprising. Goblins don't need wands to use magic. Neither do house elves, in which we see Dobby use ma magic constantly in Chamber of Secrets and then Deathly Hollows. And then, um, no, uh, no known formal uh prohibition pro ugh. i can't talk tonight it's god no known formal prohibition god prohibition prohibition oh it is prohibition huh no formal prohibition exists against muggles possessing a wand. They would be unable to use them anyway since muggles didn't possess magic, but a muggle's possession of a wand could be considered a breach of the International Statue of Wizarding Secrecy. And then any underage wizards or witches who were expelled from school were forbidden from practicing magic any further, and their wands were confiscated and destroyed. Hubris Hagrid's wand suffered such a fate that it was somewhat repaired and kept uh, inside his umbrella, and he allowed he was allowed to use uh, that much. So we do see this in um, Sorcerer's Stone when he gives Dudley a pig's tail. And how, like, he can't use magic outside of school, and people are like, um... And you find out later he was expelled, and his wand destroyed, and it's like, well, how can you use your magic? It's like, uh, about that. <laughs> it's like, may or may not have found the pieces, duct taped them together. It's I, fine. I may or may not have Dumbledore do something with my broken wand. <laughs> um... 
However, the student in question was expelled after taking the ordinary wizarding levels, or owls. They were deemed to be full-fledged wizards uh, and might retain their wands. Uh, Newton's commander retained his wand when he was expelled. So, Newt's commander, the protagonist we see in Fantastic Beasts, he took his ordinary owls, he passed, so he became a full-fledged wit- or wizard, but then he was expelled because he did stupid stuff with magical creatures. Oops. But he's able to keep his wand. And good thing, too. Definitely. And then we have... Um, Gallant Grindelwald was expelled from uh, Drumstag, but he was managed to maintain his wand or procure another wand, suggesting that his wand was confiscated and may have been only uh, applied to Hogwarts students. Of course, any criminals arrested and imprisoned lost their wands as well. Bartley Crouch Jr. claimed that he was not allowed uh, a wand wand since Azkaban, though their wands seemed to be destroyed but simply destroyed away uh, stored away because Bellatrix Strange managed to retrieve her old wand after escaping prison so more than likely uh with um going to Azkaban more than likely they just store your wand away just in case mm-hmm. if you know you were guilty and you were innocent but put in prison kind of a thing mm-hmm. i'm just, sure it's like kind of serves for evidence storage too because they can just ask the one you know cast the spell on the one to tell yes which spells the, it had cast yes, like so the reverse probably spell important and probably use that for you that. know uh, case trials and stuff like that mm-hmm. law And then, uh, years ago, due to the Rataport's law, no underage North American witch or wizard was allowed a wand until they arrived at Livermore School of Witchcraft, Witchcraft and Wizardry. Moreover, wands had to be left at Livermore during vacations, and only upon attaining 17 years of age, uh, the witch or wizard legally allowed to carry a wand outside school. So, compared to Hogwarts... The USA was a lot stricter with wands. Obviously, because one, you need a permit. Two, you can't have a wand, carry a wand without, like, when you're on vacation from school, you have to keep it at the school, so you can't use magic. Compared to Hogwarts, is oh yeah, take your wand. We're fine. You can take it with you, just in case. Because, you know. You never know. <laughs> You never know what's going to happen because, you know, Voldemort. Oops. (laughs) And then the law wasn't to sure that... This law uh, was was to ensure that the international uh, stature of secrecy was upheld. The MAC USA did not want to repeat a of... Dorcas Twelve Trees breach of the stature however this law was uh had since been repelled um repealed in 1965 oh. give me a sec and yeah he just broke a giant thing in the stature of secrecy that's the main thing. That's it. It doesn't really specify what he did. Mm. Uh, and then during the last war of the Second Wizarding War, the British Ministry of Magic was overthrown by the Death Eaters, and the new laws were put into effect. Muggle-born witch- witches and wizards were regarded as having stolen their magic from real witches and wizards, and their wands, which they were considered stolen, were confiscated, and those who did not imprison were usually left... Uh, Desoluted? Destitute. Destitute. God. Words. English is hard. <laughs> English is hard. And we speak it. But yeah, I mean, we specifically see this in Deathly Hollows. Mm-hmm. Um, part one. Yes, part one. Specifically, because that's when they go to the ministry. Because um, we see Ron's fake wife <laughs> in the film. 
is being um, interrogated for having stolen her wand. When in reality, she was a actual witch and had her wand since she was 11. But, you know, the ministry was overtaken by Death Eaters. Like, oh, no, you took your magic. You, you stole everything. No. It's because they don't like muggle-borns. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, now we go to makers of wands. So the wand was originally in a European invention, and although many makers of the wands existed, Ollivander was the best known and most experienced in Britain. The wand-making establishment had been making wands since 382 BC and was in Diagon Alley, London. Uh, Mr. Ollivander went missing in the summer of 1996 until discovered by Harry, Ron, and Hermione and rescued by the house elf Dobby in 1998. He had been then kidnapped... Uh, he had been kidnapped by Death Eaters on Voldemort's orders. Ollivander therefore told Harry about the Elder Wand and how the wand passed ownership. Uh, more Britain wand makers existed, for an example, Jimmy uh, Kendall, but their wands were stated not as good as Ollivander's. Another notable wand maker was uh, Mykus uh, Gregorovich, who was once attained to the study of the Elder Wand. Gregorovich's reputation rivaled that of Ollivander's, with some like Victor Crumb considering his wands to be the best in the world. Crumb's statement also suggested his views was more common outside of Britain. And then by 1997, he had retired from Wandmaker with Crumb purchasing one of his last wands in 1997. Voldemort tracked him down as part of the quest to finally tame the Elder Wand. However, by this time, the wand had since been left the Gregorich's possession, having been stolen by his by a blonde-haired young man that was the Wandmaker had never identified. Once Voldemort finished questioning Gregorich, he murdered him and was uh, no more use of the Dark Wizard. And that blonde-haired man was Grindelwald. Yes, Grindelwald. Because then Dumbledore then got the Elder Wand from Grindelwald. That's how uh, Dumbledore got it. And then historical wandmakers in North America include Islet uh, Ser, Valetita Reverel... Violetta Beauvais. Yeah, that. Uh, the French one. <laughs> yeah, the French one. Uh, Johannes Jonker, uh, Tiago Quintana, and Shikoba Wolf, each with whom specialized in a single type of wand core. And then, according to legend, Death created the Elder Wand and the most powerful wand in existence from the branch of an elder tree. Albus Dumbledore, however, believed the uh, Atropoc. Atru. Antioch. Antioch? Prevelli. Prevel? Prevel uh, was more likely the creator. So the original owner of the Elder Wand was more likely be the one who created the Elder Wand, not actually Death. Mm -hmm. He just created the legend of Death to, you know, enhance the reputation of his own wand. So, uh, Ollivander is the national treasure, and there are other wand makers who are more world-renowned yes but Ollivander is the one to go to if you want a wand go to Ollivander's because <laughs> yeah, I think we're a little bit biased yeah yeah we are I mean I have my wand it's great I love it oak or oh, this one's oak phoenix feather I think it's like 11 or 12 inches it's great I think I would want um, it would just be a Lord. whole. I would want a whole walking stick, like Lucius. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, the wand like in the stick and his walk in his cane. No, I want. Or the you just want the whole, whole cane, cane to, to be, be the, the wand. wand. Yeah, that's ex that's extreme. Made out of alder <laughs> with a dragon heartstring core. That's. I, I think that's too extreme. How would you use that? Um, combatively. It's not a wand. It's a blunt weapon. <laughs> oh, dear God. Oh, sometimes no. it shoots sparks. Oh, no. <laughs> but there are times it bludgeons people. Wait, what? <laughs> That's not how that's supposed to my, work. My, uh, my wand does plus four bludgeoning damage. 
to cast the spell, it has to make contact with the head of the enemy. That's terrible. That's oh, the God. activation. D and D rules. Oh no! <laughs> but, to um, activate uses blunt weapon. That is what we have for this week's episode. Um, anything else to add before we end the show? Uh, I don't think so because next week we've got a tiny small topic to cover. Oh, it's just, just a, a small it's just a small school that no one's heard of. It's okay. Yeah. It's it's just, you know, Hogwarts Witchcraft School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. No one's heard of that <laughs> school. What? No, it's not like famous or anything. Oh There's god, not... no. It's not like almost all famous wizards came from that school alone. Mm-hmm. It's not where we spend the better part of seven books. And eight films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's more than eight films now if you count uh, Fantastic Beasts. We see Hogwarts back in two and three of Fantastic Beasts. So ten films total that Hogwarts has appeared in. Jeez. Yeah, so next week yeah. we've got a plenty big topic to yes. cover. And I will remind everybody now, Hogwarts will be a three-part episode, uh, three parts, because there's that much. Because it's Hogwarts. Because why not? It's Hogwarts. There's a lot to cover. So yeah, we're going to have three, three parts for that one. So, um, but that's all we got for this week. So everybody have a nice time and see you next week. Bye everyone. And remember, oh, there's a the squirrel. squirrel says bye too. The squirrel <laughs> says bye too. And remember, the wand chooses the witch or wizard. Thank you for listening to Wizarding World Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can follow us on Twitter at www.lorecast, and you can email us at wizardworldlorecast at gmail.com. And if you want to find more of us, you can follow me on the Holocron Histories podcast with my co-host Teacup, to where we take a deep dive into the Star Wars lore. Or you can follow Captain Shanko with Psych88 on the MCU Lorecast, where they take a deep dive into all things Marvel.